0: Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh God, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. One of my favorite spots in our entire city is our cupola here at Richmond Hill. I love to sit up there and watch the city stretched out before me, the sunlight glinting off the buildings, the cars and trucks of I-95 slinking through the cityscape while the James glistens in the distance. Looking out at the city, I can't help imagining all the things that are happening unseen from my perch on that high place. I imagine the conversations the conflict, the human drama, all of the love and all of the pain, the births and the deaths, the layers of history still living in the present. From this vantage point, I imagine our city as this beating heart with whole systems of intertwining arteries and veins pumping in and out trucks taking in food and supplies, carrying out waste, our transit systems carting people from one place to another, school buses carrying kids to schools throughout our city, money flowing through the city, pooling around some institutions and people and geographies, while leaving others dry. There are systems of sustenance that give life and systems of violence that destroy it. Systems that build people up and systems that wear people down. Most of our systems are a little bit of both. A complex web of sustenance and violence that make up this beating heart of a city we call Richmond, Virginia. My sermon this evening is called Proximity, Power, and the Heart of the City proximity, power, and the heart of the city. So let's begin with our gospel text. Jesus said, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come lick his sores. This is a parable about proximity and about power, about the divisions that keep us separate and the systems that keep us unequal, about those chasms between us and the hierarchies among us. We meet a rich man and a poor man who live in proximity with one another but are as unequal as one can be. Lazarus lies at the gate of the rich man and hungers to be closer to him, longing to eat from the scraps of his table. Then they both die. The rich man burns in the depths of hell and hungers to be closer to the poor man, longing to be cooled by water from the tip of his finger. In both scenarios, the divides that exist are unbridgeable. The rich man cannot see the poor man who lies at his gate because of the hierarchy that he lives by, that keeps him above and others below, even his gaze of vision. No proximate distance can transcend that gate between them. One gets the sense in this parable that even if the gate were to be torn down, the walls transcended, the rich man still would not see this man at his step. And because he lives by that hierarchy, he dies by it. The separation fixed in place by a great chasm, only the hierarchy is reversed. The last is now first, and the first now last. In both scenarios, the divides that exist between these two men are divides not of proximity, but of power. And in both scenarios be it the class chasm of this world or the moral chasm of the next, there is no bridge that can be built across. Jesus warns us in this parable that the real chasms that exist between us are actually the hierarchies among us, that we cannot bridge our divides without recognizing the often invisible systems of power that keep some up and some down, that give some sustenance and others violence. And if we live by these hierarchies, these structures, these systems, so we too will die by them. And they will carry on long after we are gone, embedded into our very cityscape in this world, and fixed in place by a great chasm in the next. And as this parable so powerfully illustrates, the consequences of these hierarchies that we live by, they are Brutal. Here in this world, the dogs lick the sores of Lazarus, a poor man. In the next, flames lick the burns of the rich man for eternity. So too are the consequences of the unequal distribution of sustenance in our city and the unequal distribution of violence. The beating heart of this city is so often a broken one, as one more kid is killed by a gunshot, as one more person goes unhoused, as one more school goes underfunded. Jesus calls us over and over and over again to align ourselves with the poor and the marginalized, to be on the side of Lazarus and not on the side of the rich man. And yet how many times have we too not even seen the Lazaruses of Richmond, Virginia? But even more, I believe Jesus calls us in this parable to be at work disrupting the hierarchies altogether, refusing to live by them, tearing down the systems of violence and building up those systems that give life. If we are the people of God, if we are the hands and feet of God in this world, if our eyes are set upon a kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven, we must remember that God is a God who executes justice for the oppressed who gives food to the hungry, who sets the prisoners free, who opens the eyes of the blind, who lifts up those who are bowed down, who loves the righteous, who watches over the strangers, who upholds the orphan and the widow, and who brings the wicked to ruin. And so, too, must we. And if we are a people of God, we must recognize that we cannot build bridges across the chasms that divide us, if we don't also address those invisible systems that oppressed the least among us, this is a challenging teaching to those of us, like all of us here in Richmond Hill, who are in the bridge building business. It suggests that seeking God's healing of our metropolitan city of Rich Virgi- Richmond, Virginia, cannot only mean building relationships across difference cannot only be transcending the walls that divide us. As long as these systems are in place, hierarchies of race, class, economic opportunity, education, gender identity, sexual orientation, ability, you name it, bridges are inadequate at best, and at worst, have the potential to reinforce the very power dynamics of those invisible systems that surround us. And yet, this is not where the sermon ends. This is the gospel, and there is always good news. Because the thing, the thing is, if we are going to talk about proximity and power, we also have to talk about the power that exists in proximity. There is power here, in this room. As we two or three gather in the name of Jesus in proximity with one another, caring for one another, and praying for our city. There is power in a proximity that leads to deep, reciprocal relationships where we actually see one another, like the relationships built in our Micah program or the Armstrong Leadership Program, a proximity that leads to solidarity with, not charity for, the most marginalized among us. And there is power here in Richmond Hill power in our proximity to the very city that stretches out before us as we sit in that cupola or on the deck or as we walk in the labyrinth. Our proximity to this city reminds us that we are part of this beating heart. We have agency. We have power to transform ourselves so that we can transform this city. And while it's true that building bridges across difference cannot heal all these broken systems in the heart of the city, it's also true that the work of healing cannot be done alone. Building bridges of solidarity with one another has got to be the first step so that together we can tear down the systems of violence and build up the systems that sustain all the people in this city. A heart... Is a living thing so is a monastery so is a city every day as we pray for our city we can choose to give life and the pulse of our hearts to the pulse of this city attempting to live our lives in a way that heals so tonight I invite you to think of the ways that your prayers can transcend our walls and go alongside with you out into the city, inspiring you to imagine how you can continue to be a part of God's healing in this city. And in that spirit, we're doing prayers a little differently. You're going to hear more from Katie about how we are actually going to send our prayers physically out into the city. But before that, let me leave you with one of my favorite prayers that we say here at Richmond Hill. And you're going to hear it again tonight. It goes like this. Grant, O Lord, that your kingdom may come here in this city of metropolitan Richmond. Help us to be part of its coming. Help us to minister to others in the Spirit and to accept your ministry for ourselves. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.